Upgrade America There's power within the vote Upgrade America Make sure you tell your folks What's up world? I'm Cameron Ra, host and executive producer of Upgrade America The greatest show on earth We're on episode 59 You know, chilling with my dude CJ the Day Slayer Yo, what's up? Sign the lamp, I see you just came in that's my flight chief from uh, Osan, Korea, Aviano Air Base. Great time. Military was uh, some of the greatest times in my life. But yo, CJ, what's goody, man? What's popping down there? I see you masked up. Yeah, I got the Mexico flag. Shout out to my Mexicanos. You know what I'm saying? Down the um, yeah, I'm chill. I'm just having fun with the mask thing. I'm like, if I'm going to wear a mask, it's going to be like something like this. It looks cool. So. No doubt. You know. And I'm gonna uh, get some designer masks myself, as it seems it's gonna be a trend. Um, I'm gonna try to put the turn the volume up on mine. Okay. We forgot to do a radio check. How am I coming in, Lena Charlie? Yeah, I mean, same tangle. So let's go. Let's go with it, man. What, what are we talking about today? What's up, Monique? I'm gonna go down the whole rundown, so just give me a second. Move down, move down. All right, so we're obviously gonna talk about my FBI job invite. <laughs> true, true, that was funny. Um, and, you know, we, we gotta shout them out. Shout out to the FBI, CIA, and uh, all of our clandestine uh, friends out there. We know you're we- checking the podcast and the metrics, so we appreciate the support. It seems that they they like us so much that they offered CJ a job, but uh, you know we're gonna talk a little bit about that later on in the show. Yes, we are. Um, so we're gonna talk about this superpower meme that me and Cam found interesting. We'll get into that. Have a little fun today. Yeah. Um, we're gonna also talk about what well, just good, like man? Cam mentioned, CIA black ops. We're gonna talk about that today a little bit. Dive into that couple international stories um we're gonna talk about going back to normal post rona whatever that is yeah um we're gonna talk yeah. about comparison yeah. between normal let alone uh... <laughs> we'll talk about the death of the post office um that's a big topic lately um the new stimulus pack that they're trying to present in congress absolute power during an emergency we're going to talk about trump and his absolute power um we're going to discuss 22 million people lost their jobs so we're getting towards great depression rates yeah, um, you not uh, surpass the great depression already I'm, in our terms of unemployment i'm not if sure yet 22 million is yeah. that's unheard of that's almost what ten percent of the nation. If we're about at four hundred million, roughly. Is it? Because I, I was thinking we're more in like the high three hundreds. Yeah. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. But that's a, yeah. This is really a. It, it's a lot of people that this is affecting, and when they're talking about, there's no end in sight to it. As far as like, hey, are we going back to normal? May first, May fifteenth. And yeah. uh, uh, May 15th, 2021, 22, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, factors in here, and that's what we're going to be discussing today. We're going to talk, 
We're going to talk about Michigan and Virginia. These have been very active states. Um, and along- also uh, the, the president yeah. hasn't been encouraged in, uh, through tweets. You know, I, I believe that it was liberate your, yourselves or something along that yeah. line. Meaning, uh, or it's really up to interpretation, but you're right. There's a lot of uh, protests. Let me say um, non-compliance with uh, social distancing and mm-hmm. other rules like that. So there's a lot going on in, in, in the world right now. It's gonna be a great show. Um, we're also I also put in Vox's solution to Second Amendment, which you can explain your option for the Second Amendment. If you were president, what would your program be? I know we've gone over this multiple times, but this time is quite interesting to just kind of just touch on that mm-hmm. um, because I did find their method interesting. It kind of goes in line with what you would want to do as far as Second Amendment. So well, preserve it at all costs. That is, uh, that is definitely a priority. And um, we mentioned Virginia, but we're seeing cases where uh, that's being infringed upon. My understanding is that they cease doing background checks in Virginia. Mm, yeah. So that is a key component to purchasing firearms. And you got people who, these are unprecedented times, people are losing their jobs. And I kind of get their logic that people could use weapons to commit crimes. You know, you sent me that video about the home break-in. I actually yeah. want to slide that in right about here. Seeing how he, uh, he, a group of people ran up in, in, in someone's home, and you know someone was able to defend their home using firearms. Yeah, could that have been reversed? Like those same criminals have legally purchased firearms and ran up in someone's home. Yeah, but I dare say that's a small minority. So we, we gotta find a way. We cannot infringe on the majority of people's rights to, to bear arms, particularly in these times. What do you want to dive into first? I mean, uh, first things first, everyone out there, thanks for, for watching and, and listening. And um, we, we got to do a morale check and make sure you, everyone is good. Like Lamp Isle, I want to make sure you're good out there. You're in, uh, well, I'm not offset concept, but you're you're overseas at the moment. Like, you you good out on, in your neck of the woods, your, your AOR, your area responsibility. But... Everyone out there, like, um, I really hope uh, you like, and it's tough times right now, you know? So, you got any morale checks you want to perform, CJ? Nah, I'm good, man. Um, I think I'm not able to drink alcohol anymore. I think I'm uh, kind of allergic to alcohol in a weird way. Oh, why, why do you say that? I don't know. I was drinking, like, Heineken last night, and... Um, my allergies kind of start acting up. I don't know if it was because it got too warm. It has to be like really cold. Mm-hmm. Or, and I remember drinking that sangria and I was messed up the next day on the podcast. Like it activated my allergies for some reason. So I'm like, I think I can drink, but I got to watch what I drink now for some reason. 
I but, had to cut back myself. Like, yeah, it's weird. Far from uh, you know my Korea days. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like um, I, I could hang back then. You know, we'd start the night off drinking. Remember OB Oriental Budweiser? Yeah. <laughs> like a dollar a piece, and we'd start the night off drinking like. Enough. 10, uh, 10 of those and then start drinking hard liquor and then soju and then after that it just oh man yeah. <laughs> I, I used to do Long Islands to soju that's what oh, I used to Long Islands seas yeah a lot of there's like five different liquors in there so I can't my body can't handle that anymore like yeah for me like drinking a for me a beer is like kombucha now like <laughs> That's that's like my beer for, for me. That's how I kick back and chill. Right. Let's, let's get into the show, man. What is our, our first topic we're going to go over? Um, We'll go ahead and do the light stuff real quick because it's not going to take long. Um, So, everybody, I got a job invite. I think after one of our episodes, I forgot what episode. It might have been 57 or 58. Mm-hmm. So, I checked my email through LinkedIn I got a Federal Bureau investigation is looking for an intelligence analyst. So Cam and I have a running joke, which we're not where we are being monitored by the intelligence <laughs> agency because it's in our metrics, joke, it's, it's the audio, validity. yeah, in our metrics for the audio, we have Virginia, but we don't have any geographical information. But we got a percentage of people from Virginia listening. We know that the intelligence community is centered in Virginia. So we thought that was pretty funny. So just sharing stuff with you what we go through here. Real life stuff. But it, it is funny because it's like there's some truth to it. Like we are dabbling in politics. I'm running independently running for president. True. Just the nature of our show, sharing radical ideas on on politics, policy, and, and world events. Like, it's we're being monitored by you know. Of course. By these, by our our, our, our friends in, in the in the agency. But I, I want to ask you a question. What is your thoughts on Chris and myself? We're military veterans, so we've accumulated years of service that can be put towards uh, how do you say retirement or pension. So, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts about? Would you take the job? Depends on the position. Um, mm-hmm. I am at after dealing with my last place of employment. I want to do something more meaningful. Um, that's very important. Something I'm at least passionate about. So I figure if I do something, Lamp, Lamp said they're watching because we're talking upgrade America. You know it. Upgrade Nah, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, we're just saying about doing more meaningful uh, work and yeah. strictly like service to to the nation and and working in intelligence. It sounds fun, at least to me. You know how I am, so I don't know. Um, well, please elaborate how you are for people who don't. Well, know how you are? You know, I'm kind of like paranoid and stuff. Even though I'm know I'm being monitored and tracked and all that, I still have this hypervigilant paranoia. And sometimes I kind of get swirling up there. I don't like how I'll be feeling. So, um, but at the same time, you have helped me like relax about it a lot more. But I mean, 
you gotta come to terms with it, man. Like I know it's, it's tough, man. It's we, like we love tough. our iPhones, and you like somehow you love your Android, but like it's a it's a spy machine, man. I was just breaking it down to you know one of my nephews and his buddies, you know, the other day. Like when you hit when you you have a brand new application and it says you have access, you want to give it access to your photos. It means not just the photos you're taking it's all your photos man like yeah. all uh you know the ladies that are sending you naked pictures and all your dick pics and stuff like they're they have access to all of that man so it's like you have to come to terms with that or just don't use technology i know and that's that's the thing what's up what's up willie um that's the thing about it this hard for me it's like ah no yeah that's tough you, at the end of the day you just gotta feed it what you are comfortable with it knowing like don't reveal everything to, uh, to your iphone or your android device yeah well i'm gonna get some uh external hard drives today actually i've been putting that off but i'm gonna get some but um, um i don't know it does sound like an exciting career field, you know, particularly in, I would, I would rather work with central intelligence than, uh, than after that. We're going to be talking about them today. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, that's going to be a fun <laughs> conversation. But yes, it is. I, I have considered it because, like, we do have, or at least, I, I know I have eight years of service, but it's not being put to, like, towards a pension or something. Yeah. And, like, um, to the end, Getting all tongue twisted, miggity 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 mad. <laughs> yeah, like uh, in the traditional civilian sector, it's like you could damn that where damn well be working till you're like seventy. You know, whereas with pensions and whatnot, or in the, in the in the federal, it's still what twenty years. I think I'm not sure. My mom's in there. What's up, Nelson? Um, I'm not sure though, Nelson. <laughs> Anyway, pulling the um, mask. I'm not in the IG. Um, what was I gonna say? I'm not sure exactly. My mom's a Fed, so I, we've been kind of talking about this. She's okay. in the coming, so I don't know. I have to see. Gotta do some research this week. I'm gonna do a lot more research on that. But yeah, it's something that uh, I considered, and it's just like I don't know the whole GS. Thing and, and going overseas that sounds pretty fun. I, I had a blast in all the places I was at. Do you got that superpower meme, meme, uh, meme on deck? Yes, I do. Can you run down the like, um, because it's a pretty lengthy meme? If you could just sum up the pills by the colors, all right. So, somebody presented this on Twitter, I don't know where it came from, I got it from Twitter. Shared it with Cam, and we're discussing what superpowers we would want. So you get pills. They're all different colors, but they come with different uh, attributes, like strengths and all that good stuff. Yeah. So you got strength um, is the red pill. You got psychic is the purple pill. Wisdom okay. is the blue pill. Elemental is the green pill. Shapeshift is the yellow pill. Charismatic is like another kind of blue. It's like a teal like, pill, I guess. Yeah. No, that's visionary. 
Oh, that's a visionary one? Yeah. And then champion is like a gold pill, something like that. Then you have an overlord pill. And that's then the a black one? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want, man. Overlord pill. Um, so we were talking about which pill would we take, and then at the bottom it has you can get augmentation, so you can get additional stuff, but it comes at a cost. Yo, Jay Frost was popping, man. See you watching. So you said the additional what? Uh, augmentations, you can get additional uh attributes if you choose out of these four things, which I'll read those off real quick. Increase the effect of your pill by half. Okay. Consume half of another pill and receive half of their effects. Receive $1 million instantly. Inner world peace. Decrease the effect of your pill by half. And I wasn't sure how they, before a alien invasion. Yo, Lamp, Lamp said send me the gold one. <laughs> so the Yo, gold Lamp. one is champion. You already sent them that? Nah, nah. I, I need to send him. I, I need to send him that pic though, so he can see the whole list of it. May I, like I said, I want the Overlord one because, like, when you really consider the um, the other options, you're just maxing out on one thing. You know what I'm saying? But like with the with the black pill, they my understanding said what like ten percent of each one or something. Yeah. Uh huh. So it's like. I like to think that the most that diversity wins at the end, and that seems to be the most diverse option right there. You have a little bit of each of a little bit of everyone's strengths. So that means you have your intelligence is going to be boosted, and you're going to be stronger than most. And while everyone else is just going to be strong at one thing, so if you're in, the only person you would really most likely have issues with is the other brainiac, the person who's maxed out on IQ because you would ultimately be playing chess with them. I um, know for, for me, I yo, like- what's up, I see you watching. Thanks uh, for joining. Uh, <laughs> what's up, Virginia? Thanks for joining, I see you watching too. Um, but yeah, that's one I would pick. What would you get? Of course, the psychic, bro. I'm just I'm all in here. Yeah. I yeah. like that straight up, because I don't feel like I need much. So for me- I, I feel you. I feel you, but it's like that's all I need, bro. That's how would all you I use? Need. How would you use that? As far as what? How would you use your psychic abilities? Shit, I upgrade America like today. <laughs> Shit, yeah, that would happen like this. Yeah, but then it's like you're about to get a, a huge amount of power, and with great power comes great responsibility and also you know you, you have counter powers you don't have villains and stuff that you don't have to deal with and sometimes I don't, I don't think psychic powers is, is enough to uh, look at Professor X I mean yeah. granted he I guess he was one of the most powerful mutants like yeah. in, in the X-Men but I don't know I guess it, you would be I'm good one. man like I'm, I'm, I would I'm take still feeling the overlord pill though Huh? I'm still feeling the overlord pill. I'm more the psychic and then augmentation wise, I would take the elemental. And what is elemental again? So like, basically it look I think I, I got a special bond with animals. Um okay. and I can control the elements like weather and stuff. 
I think mine, my second choice would be the, the psychic one too, the purple pill. It is my uh, favorite color after all, and I don't know, I, I could see the benefits from it, but you would still, I, me personally, I think I would need other attributes. But do you believe in ESP? Yeah, I think some people tap into it better than others. I think for the most part, we probably start off with the ability. I think some people start off <laughs> off top where it's strong. It's like they got to learn how to harness it where others have to kind of grow into it or discover it later. So and I, I kind of do it's, believe it's a muscle when you really consider it. Lamp said, that's why the champion, that's why the champion is champ. Talking about the champion pill. So I'm gonna uh, do some more research on the on the champion pill to see because I don't have the picture in front of me right now. But I, I do believe the ESP thing, like mm -hmm. I think it's like a muscle, man. It's like you gotta flex that and, and grow it over time, and like through meditation and, and you know building intuition. Because while I don't understand intuition, I do believe that exists, and to some extent, I believe you can make that stronger. And I think. Hair is a part of that, man. Huh? But it's only only theories. It's like other antennas and, and everything. The only hair I'm growing is right here. <laughs> yeah, how's how's your beard how's your beard journey going, man? It's all right. It's connected. It's connected. So yeah, so, you know I, I can't. Couldn't do it after. It was hard for me to start because growing out there, like I had a shaving waiver in the military. Yeah. You know, so but it's like couldn't grow it, it really hurt. And but afterwards it blew out and I'm loving the beard, man. I'm getting there. Um, or, uh, okay, so I guess uh, we did superpowers. I kind of want to briefly touch on the, um, the second stimulus package. Okay, let's do it. And I, I, I took a brief overview on this and it's not like, getting a lot of traction before everyone gets excited. But there's a lot of articles going around about new stimulus package, $2,000 for every American per month until this is over. And people are getting excited and they're probably balling out like, forget this little 1200. Like I'm about to get two stacks for <laughs> per month yeah. or, you know, until the Rhone is gone. But let me tell you a little about this. It's called the bill. The new bill is called the Emergency Money for People Act, and it's been started by Ohio Congressman Tim Ryan and Cali Congressman Will Kana. And pretty much, they want to give American citizens older than everyone who's older than 16, and they're making less than $130,000 per year. They want to give them $2,000 a month. Okay. Pretty much until this is done. And then $500 per child, but I believe it maxes out at like five kids. So everybody out there who has like nine, 10 kids, you're not, you're not falling out on this one. It's, they want to set a limit to it. But here's the thing. It's like, it sounds all nice and noble, but you, you got to consider what the cost of getting every American $1,200 was a lot of money. So getting everyone $2,000 reoccurring until uh, if this crisis is over. Let me put it to you this way. One year of this program is going to be about $6 trillion. Damn. To put it further into perspective, the, the British government in World War II, 
they let's just call it 500 billion dollars they took they didn't finish paying that back until 2006. holy shit yeah that's so, wild already the stimulus package that that we pulled out and that we we bailed out all these billion dollar companies and corporations because oh we can't let the airlines fail so taxpayers give me your money and we're, we're gonna bail them out and we got our little twelve hundred dollars back but we're gonna be paying that that back over years so as i mentioned just one year of this program is yeah. six trillion dollars in the unlikely event this rona thing lasted 18 months you do the math and then uh, i want to further inject that it, it, it would most likely add to a lot of uh deflation but what, what are your thoughts on that it's interesting but it leads to one of our other topics inflation mm -hmm. is real yeah you can look at inflation on this one hopefully we don't hyperinflate shout out to you mr Mello. um well, i really think that's what would occur but yeah. on the bright side it would drive the price of bitcoin to the moon you know, and I am a crypto enthusiast. Um, I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, I know America's going to do what America's going to do to mm -hmm. make money and save money. Either way, they're going to figure something out. So how do you think they're going to make money? <laughs> Ending this thing quick. <laughs> Go ahead and reopen America, basically, essentially. I, I suppose that's a great transition into our next topic. Well, that's pretty much all I got on um, on that stimulus package. We'll put some links in there. And as I mentioned, don't get too excited because this is like when it comes to the hierarchy of like, I don't know, political figures. I don't want to say congressmen are like at the bottom, then the Senate's and then, you know, you have your higher uh, you have the president, of course, and, and other people in the cabinet. So this is coming at a very low level and it still has a lot of um, procedures it would have to go through the past. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but I'm not very optimistic about uh, this bill getting passed. It's fun to think about, but the financial repercussions in the future is most likely going to tank the economy. But I hedge my bets with Bitcoin, so we're not concerned. So, <laughs> but um, there's there's a have you had a McAfee antivirus? Yeah, in the past. So mm -hmm. it was made by John McAfee, and he's a crypto enthusiast. Mm -hmm. And he made a bet, like on national TV. And I'm trying to find that soundbite. I had it before. I can't find it. But okay. it's like he would eat his own dick if Bitcoin is not valued at one million dollars by the end of 2020. And he said this way before the crisis. Mm -hmm. He said this far before the crisis, maybe 2018, maybe 2019. And then I'm thinking in my head, because he's a, he's a very brilliant guy, when you really think he he really led the charge on the antivirus, computer science, and, and algorithms. Like, I believe he knows the blockchain and, and its capabilities in and out. So I'm thinking, I'm really trying to rationalize, like, how could it really reach $1 million? And it would take the economy to crash. More or less, Bitcoin gets its value. Mm -hmm. The more people are using it, like... Our dollars are backed by the, the the promises by the American government, and as yeah. you can see, those those promises are becoming uh, less and less credible. Like as as economies are um, 
are, are kind of very unstable. Bitcoin, however, it's like it's backed upon. This is really because it's decentralized. It really puts that power into the people. So if the people are saying Bitcoin has power, Bitcoin is worth something. When the dollar goes to hell, Bitcoin goes up. And um, it's this is something that the people agreed on at one point in time is like, yeah, it's worth like eight bucks. Then it went to $250. Now, currently, the people agree that it's worth, uh, how do you say, around $7,000. But at one point in time, the people agreed that it was uh, around 20,000. One Bitcoin was worth $20,000. Wow. So that's why I'm really excited about Bitcoin. And I don't want to say I'm happy for the turbulence because it's good for the crypto market. But mm-hmm. I'm happy for the turbulence because it's good for the crypto market. No, I'm kidding. But we can know uh, that's something we can discuss a little bit later. But um, everyone wants to talk about, you know, getting back to work and uh, back to quote unquote normal, whatever that is, pretty yeah. much, I suppose, like mingling and being around people. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of talk about that. Uh, Trump is wanted us to go back to normal for Easter, as we can see for like the first time in like a thousand years, no one was in church on Easter Sunday. So that, that was definitely noticeable. And, um, also the the state of the economy and, and unemployment like we need to get the things back to quote unquote normal so it's funny because um a lot of responsibility is being pushed on the governors rather than the federal government saying hey like this is what's going to happen trump is pretty much saying like your governors figure it out so here's the thing governors must first show a downward trend of COVID-19 cases within 14 days. So that means yeah. for like 14 days straight, they have to have a down trend. They can't go like down, can't go down and then up and then down. It has to be progressively going down for 14 days. Yeah. So ironically, New York just extended the stay at home order by May 15th via Governor Como. So although there were 600 deaths last week, He's saying that the hospitalization rates is seeing a decline. The governor also mentioning that opening uh, up too soon, it could result in a spike. So he's pushing for increased testing. And um, the odds are that, you know, there, there are many people who will currently... What's the best way to say it? He's pushing for increased testing because the odds are there's like... People may have the virus and may not even know they have the virus. They may be like, oh, I just had the flu. Because remember, it's not hitting everybody the same way. So someone could have it. It's mild. Oh, I just are a little tired for two days and then I can get over it and keep it moving. However, they could have had the virus. Or you have people who currently, the virus is currently active. So that's why he's pushing for more testing. Um, which I'm not against as long as you're not mandating do it because when they start putting guns to people's heads and saying yo like mm-hmm. check this check out the get tested so um if so will Dr. Testing, Pac-Man what's up saying will testing be mandatory to go back to work if mm. so 
will this be a violation and end of private health? What do you think? Well, we didn't we discuss this? We did, uh, but um, just I suppose it, it wouldn't hurt to rehash. Yeah, yeah, no, it's no problem. Um, I see that. That's a very tricky thing, man, because like we discussed, you dealing with HIPAA, all that stuff. Where does where does it end? If you're starting to do this, basically vaccinations to work, and you're putting people in a desperate situation, of course they're gonna choose. Well, I rather show I've been tested or whatever to go to work than not and be out of a job, especially knowing that this money is not gonna be here forever. You know, sure. unemployment and stimulus packages and all that. So, and I don't know. Like, it's a very you interesting. Really situation. open Pandora's box for them getting in your. Uh getting in your in your business like up your butt yeah. and i don't know that's uh that's something i was a bit concerned on let me see what else i got in, in the notes for here so the governors will dictate the governors will dictate when and how the states open up so they said social distancing should still be adhered to so phase what do they say phase one of? Oh yeah, they did have phases in that video you sent, yeah, right? Two, two phases. So, my bad. You good? So, there's currently 22 million Americans that are unemployed. This is more than the Great Depression. I believe you said it was like 10 percent of the nation. Yeah. Uh, they got lines and food banks are around the corner. Yeah, I've been uh, here. This is. Um, the social distancing and, and the lockdowns are getting and pretty wild, and that's why they want to. Um, they really want to open things up. So phase two, mm-hmm. it, um, it includes restaurants, movie theaters, and bars. And yeah. so bar scene, I, I know it's going to be madness just because people then go out and drink and socialize <laughs> in a while. Yeah, like that's going to be nuts. But I'm trying to think how they're going to do that with social distancing and how do you drink with a mask on? They put little straw holes to the. I don't know. That's a good question. Like, like you and I've been talking about. We've been leading the charge on post Rona. Like, how is life going to be after Rona? Like, we're already going through it. We're in the midst of it. Like, let's not worry about that. Like, stay healthy, stay safe. But let's talk about what's happening after. Like, society. You're talking about institutions possibly crashing. Like, think about just average going to college. That whole experience has changed now. Well, I did outline that in the Upgrade America Policy for the Future book on Amazon Kindle. But no, I said you like they deserve to crash. Like uh, in regard at least to some of the schools, like for mm-hmm. ripping off uh, ripping off students. It's like you got everyone protesting, clear student debt, clear student debt. The whole purpose of going to school is so that you get a great paying job to where you are not in debt. But if you're coming out of college and you're still in debt, I dare say that college has failed the majority of, uh, of these students. So let them, let them crash and burn. But I, I do propose that we find a way, just like as we mentioned, we need to find a way to educate our students, like school K through 12, distant learning. We need to be able to provide that for 
college need not be sit and listen to a lecture. It's been demonstrated that you can obtain a college education through distance learning. And <clears throat> it's not a lot of moving parts with that. <laughs> you have your curriculum up there. You can stream it to millions of people. And I'm very confident we could find a way to let people go to school for free and learn new skills. So these old antiquated institutions that are charging people and, and spiraling them into debt, like let them burn. That's yeah, I'm just, I'm just really curious. I'm also with you bring up some other stuff like hospitality, um, like hotels, um, Airbnb, like all mm -hmm. this. Like all this stuff is affected now. Like no, um, how are how, how are hotels being affected? Because if you really think it's like a big building, like you can still social distance. Yeah. In in, in a hotel. Well, I'm, I'm saying, well, think of the initial rush of once we reopen. You know mm. how to manage social distancing when everybody's been dying to get out, and now I you're flooded. Right. You're you know, right. I'm right. talking in regards of that, not moving forward. Moving forward, it'll kind of go back to the medium, uh, mm. the mean average or whatever. But um, uh, somebody suggested a hybrid, Miss Miss Patman, Doctor Patman, my homegirl Swamp Fox, um, oh. said hybrid or blended learning would be very helpful. Yeah, you and I are both products of that. Yes, I I, I experimented with both of those. Um, yeah hybrids blended learning and also uh with traditional distance learning you know mm -hmm. but I, th I think we have to consider better options or or more options at least because it, it all it took was a virus to show the world that we need to rethink everything yeah you know? that's true um so going back to normal i know florida always in the news mm -hmm. um where I reside, they opened up Jacksonville Beach like I think yesterday. Yeah, I heard about that. That people are now going back to the beach, and I I like that because I think you could still distance distance learning, social distance on uh, <laughs> on the beach. Yeah. And it's oh. like I was really appalled. I posted in my story there there mm -hmm. a gentleman who was on the beach, and then mm -hmm. the tagline is like, "You should be at Walmart," like. They're letting people in Walmart with no mask, cramming them in the lines and, you know, recycled air and stuff. But they are arresting a gentleman for, for being on the beach. And that kind of had me a little, uh, a little appalled. But um, it's, it's ridiculous when you think about it. But how do you think? Like, should they open the beaches? I am torn. I'm torn on it because I do see your point with the social distances way easier. Mm -hmm. But naturally, humans are not going to socially distance so you're right we we like to mingle like, yeah we're gregarious like we're we gotta be near each other like we can't help it um so taking that into consideration mm -hmm. like reopening on the country because like i'm no expert but i do have a hypothesis that it could result in a spike mm -hmm. you know and then result in more strict lockdown policies or procedures yeah. uh, that's what i'm a bit concerned about is, is, is that and we're seeing this in michigan like they're already fed up yeah they're fed up in michigan and i told you they're fed up in virginia and they're, yeah. they're not rioting they're they're peacefully assembling and, and god bless the you know 
the First Amendment, and we, we need to preserve that. And as we mentioned in, in a previous episode, I was very concerned that citizens would not have the right to protest in, uh, in times of social distancing. I don't believe much uh, law enforcement has intervened with the process in, in Michigan or in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So the, the First Amendment is, is being adhered to. So that's great. Um, Dr. Patman, my homegirl on IG Live, mentioned uh, sanitation is going to be changed. Hygiene is mm. going to ever change in the U.S., which shouldn't have been an issue in the first place. I mean, I know how we grew up. Like, hygiene was everything. So... Well, remember our, our, our times in the, in Seoul on the subway? Yeah. And you, it was a bit of a culture shock to, to, to myself to see a lot of people wearing masks. And mm-hmm. this was like in 2004. So way yeah. before the, the coronavirus, and you mentioned the coronavirus, but Asia seems to have, well, Asia, I'm understanding they dealt with outbreaks in the past. So mm-hmm. they, I don't the whole, it's in their culture to wear masks. So do you think yeah. that will be ingrained into our culture in the future? Yeah, I think it's trending towards that now. At least, and it's not a bad policy to implement. Like, yo, you got a cold, wear a mask. If you're going out, wear a mask. It's like, that makes sense. Well, no, my understanding, like, um, people who, because that's what I assumed. Everyone on the train who had a mask was sick. It was actually quite the opposite. It was like cold and flu season, so people were wearing masks to prevent themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got it. And yeah, maybe this is what it took to show Americans that like, hey, like, I guess we, we've reached a time where like communicable diseases are like uh, something we all need to be concerned about. Like, just because we are, we're a social type of we're social nations, social type mm-hmm. of people, like, that's naturally going to make contact, and I guess we're taking more pre- procedures for that. Yeah, I think um, Dr. Patman agrees. What's up, Detroit? Don, what up? 313. Um, how's, uh, how's, how's he out there in, in Michigan? He's in Detroit? Nah, nah. I think he's, I think he's in Wyoming. Okay, okay. Got a barbershop out there. No doubt, no doubt. Correctly. Wyoming's, be- uh, Wyoming's on my bug out list. <laughs> um, I'm not that serious. Like if, nah, uh, nah, I know. I, I, I want to be somewhere if it's anarchy and lawlessness. I want to go <laughs> into the trees. Well, it would go to all the sparsely populated areas like Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. I can see in that category. Uh, Oregon, shout out to Oregon, new listeners on the audio side. Um, yeah, I don't know. Back to normal just is going to be strange for me. I still haven't adjusted to this, to be honest. Um, it's just funny because it's like for me, it seems every week they're rolling out a new law. mm -hmm. I can't do this now, masks are required, like in uh, PA. Last week, masks were required in PA. I'm sorry, in New Jersey. Like, you had to have a mask on to go into stores, and it's an executive order. I do believe today on Sunday, after 8 p.m., you have to have a mask in PA, Pennsylvania now. So it's like, as 
people are still talking about going back to normal, but more strict guidelines are being put into place. So I'm a bit ambivalent. I don't know like how this is gonna go. Like um, there's mention like if people can still work remotely, like then keep that initiative going, but they want to try to get going back as, uh, as fast as possible. And that I agree. Mm-hmm. Our uh, employees going to be in like a Mach 4 type of thing? <laughs> uh, I don't think we're going to be in full uh, chemical warfare gear, but you raise another thing that we also been talking about is employment after post Rona's like all these employers saying you can't do remote work. Now what can you say? Sure. And it's like, if you demonstrated that the job can be done remotely, like why force everyone to go back? And I know there are some benefits to managing mm-hmm. on, on site, but I mean, um, you know, there's, there's additional perks as well. But I, I, I do want to um, throw this out. I saw an interesting meme going around where it was saying like, oh, I may have to go out alive for a minute. Just gonna screenshot it. But they're saying, okay, let me read this. So hospitals get an extra 13,000 if they diagnose a death as COVID-19 and an additional 39,000 if they use a ventilator. So I'm gonna post that and then... Hey, sorry, Facebook, I had to reference a picture. uh... I haven't seen that one. It's pretty much talking about how hospitals get paid to diagnose deaths as uh, COVID-19. And they also get additional funding if they use respirators. So I don't know how much that is to it. Yeah, that's I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. So my my question for you, though, because the the mention was that New York is still is claiming a lot of uh, coronavirus deaths and some of them weren't. There's even been some video testimonies about people's relatives being wrongfully diagnosed as such. But um, See, I've seen that. My, my, my question for you, though, is do you believe that this may change the, the two-week decline requirement? Do you think this would change how hospitals are reporting corona deaths and cases? Like, would they fudge the numbers? Well, that's that's what I've been kind of skeptical about now because of what you just presented. Um, let's see, in South Carolina, I'm hearing, well, I'm seeing Miss, my doctor friend here must not know about this. We only have 116 deaths in South Carolina from mm-hmm. Corona. But South Carolina is also very spread out too. So that helps a lot. Um, but going back to your question, uh, shout out to SC843. Um, that's my concern is misdiagnosing for profit. That's a big concern. Like, I've already been seeing uh, yeah. doctors and nurses speaking out about um, not everything is COVID. Yes, so, I agree. I can see that. And like we discussed before, you already have, what was it, bronchitis, pneumonia, all that stuff is kind of similar. Yeah. So like I've been hearing people on Twitter mainly. Yeah, what's up, Vicky? Like, See you watching. I'm so Johnny, I hope you're safe. Oh, my bad. 
Oh, my bad. Nah, you good. I know we got to get used to the live thing, but um. Yeah, the we, we, we have to <laughs> work on that. We definitely, I, I show love to people supporting the show. Oh, no doubt. Um, let's see. New York's in is New York in decline? Um, yeah, I believe uh, the governor said that the cases were in decline. They, you know, they had six hundred deaths the other last week, but there's like the cases are going down. But his only concern is like if they open everything up, like those cases could go back up. And not for nothing, like New York City alone has over eight and a half million people. And New York City is only 20 like square miles. So think how densely populated it is. I forget how many people, it's like 30,000 people per square block. Think about that. (laughs) People living on top of each other, beside of each other. There's so much people in New York. So if yeah. one person gets it, if one person sneezes on a, a handle, you know, to a, an apartment building. Man, that's, like, yeah. So X many thousand people in there, you know, it's tough, tough way to tough situation. I'm just very curious to see post Rona, like we've been talking, that's what I'm more interested in. We'll resolve it. We've very been very slow to react to it, obviously, but I feel like we will resolve it, but I'm curious on the measures moving forward, like we've been discussing. How is this going to play? Um, my thing is like post Rona will, because uh, quite a bit of power has been given and exercised by uh, many different authorities. They like continue to flex post Rona, and that that's my concern. You know. Did you want to discuss that since you already leaning towards that way? Absolute power uh, during an emergency? Yeah, yeah. So without we, we did have that on the agenda, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's there's that. The mention of um you know, um the president's role during crisis and um I suppose I dropped the sound bite right about here. My people who are watching live are like, yo, what, what are you doing? But <laughs> got the sound bite of uh, Trump. He's speaking pretty much saying like, hey, during the crisis, his, his power is absolute. And I know I, I perhaps I, I, I presented this theory off the rip, <laughs> like the conception of upgrade the Upgrade America podcast. But like if there is a really bad event and they pretty much our constitutional rights go out the window and we, we have more or less a dictatorship. And that's Trump has pretty much said, like, yo, my power is absolute. But here's the thing. There's a bit of friction between the federal government and the individual states. Like, they, you know, some governors are, are bucking back. And it's uh, I'm just curious to see how that plays out. But to some extent, I agree with Trump. I don't know why uh, the founding fathers would, would do that. If they would leave a, a, a window or or an opportunity for, for someone to become a king. But I get it because it has to be really, really bad for those uh, conditions to be enacted and you don't have time for bureaucracy and, uh, how you say, I don't want to say bureaucracy and democracy, but sometimes you have to supersede those things that we mentioned in martial law. Mm-hmm. What do you think, man? I'm torn because you've been on point with a lot of the things you've been saying, which I've been like, ah, you know, I've been kind of blowing off. And um, 
at the same time, I kind of look at it as hyperbole in the sense mm-hmm. he, because of his rhetoric and how he presents himself on a regular basis, it it's hard to take him seriously, even though I know he'll do whatever he wants anyway. But I think that's a strategy to be yeah, yeah. semi ha ha and then like semi oh yeah yeah we we, we rolling out stricter policy. But um I don't wanna say that's the end game for America is that because once again going back to our, our beloved uh, Roman Empire, like it was a republic. It it was like Rome was supposed to be a republic. And then something happened with Julius Caesar. He did some, I don't want to say war crimes, but more or less it was like, if he didn't take like full control over Rome, he was going to go to jail. And so like he found a way to do it legally. There's like some sort of clause. Mm-hmm. I get what, it, what happened. Uh, he had some beef with like another consulate and then killed him or some shit and he ended up kind of being like in a position of a dictatorship Then, the, but the senate was still in order and then the senate killed him then his son took it and or his adopted son took the emperor the empire and became the first emperor long story short after it became an emperor and an empire it stayed like that for like a thousand years it like didn't go back to being a republic so if something like this were, were established it would most likely be long term but this goes back to the one thing I do have confidence in. We America's not gonna go for that. Yeah, they will. Because mm-hmm. right now, right now, today, mm-hmm. today is was what's the nineteenth? Yeah, I was gonna say it's so hard to keep track of time during lockdown. Yeah. But right now, there are three over three hundred million Americans who are staying home at after eight o'clock who are wearing masks and who are following all these new rules that are yeah. not in accordance with the original constitution. So you're saying they wouldn't go for it? They already have. They're going for it. We're playing by whole new rules. When mm-hmm. they're, how they're locking up people on, they're arresting people on the beach. They're letting people out of jail for DUIs. They're letting people out of jail for other crimes, but they're locking people up for uh, for going to the beach by themselves. Like, dude, we're playing weird now. We're playing by a whole new set of rules. People are already going along with it. They didn't come to arms and saying like, no, like, well, I guess some people, some folks in Michigan did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, those are examples of the people's not going to go for it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but you make a point with Virginia, which we're going to talk about. Um, what he's been doing, Gov- Governor Northam, I think that's his name. I don't recall. I just recall he did some dick moves in the shadows of Trump regarding well, uh, Second Amendment rights. But he's actually very strategic if you really think about it, because oh, he's doing awesome. an election day thing as a holiday. He's yes, pushing I, that. that. I find admirable, though. Yeah. And, I mean, not for nothing. We shout out to Governor Governor uh, Northam or whatever name is from Virginia. I know you've been reading the Upgrade America Handbook because we closed <laughs> that in like 2018. To be fair, too, like I said, Andrew Yang brought this up and Sanders, I think. I don't know about Elizabeth Warren. I don't know if she brought that up either, but... Well, I'm only going to vainly assume that he read my book. (laughs) (laughs) 
just I'm just throwing credit out. You know, I know we do our yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I do Same. know Yang proposed that too, and I, I do recall him Sanders, but I think that's admirable for doing the um how do you say the anti First Amendment I'm sorry, Second Amendment rights in the shadows of corona, knowing that all the headlines are on coronavirus and you're gonna sign some bills to you know, to strip people of, of guns. Very dick move. But I don't know, bro. Like, you could use this whole Second Amendment thing to transition into, uh, is the AK better than the M4? Unless you got any, any other closing remarks. Um, let's see. Dr. Patman said on my IG Live, America is now more well-versed in public policy and laws. People adhering to the to rules is different from releasing total control of their lives. Hmm. That's her perspective. See, tell, uh, please relate to her. Thank you for her feedback. I see it's, you've been providing a lot of feedback throughout on the live, which is really helpful. I enjoy that. Oh, she's dope. She does her episodes. I'll tell y'all to check her out, too. She does, like, eight to ten minute episodes every day or every week. I, yeah, I lose track. Meet her link. I, want, I want to follow her uh, after after the show. Well, do. Definitely appreciate the feedback. <laughs> I, I agree. I totally agree on that. Because mm-hmm. of this, more people are, 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 are looking into public policies. Like no one cared about healthcare policies, sure or, did. or or but right now, I, I yeah, it's like bringing up a lot of awareness for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for it because we've been uninformed for a long time. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, oh, shout out to you, girl. You be doing great work, doctor. I like saying that. So proud. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Second Amendment. So. You know, no doubt, no doubt. Let's, uh, yeah. let's talk um, about. I I implore the our, our viewers, all you upgraders out there, like when you get your stimulus check, you know if legal circumstances permit, to arm yourselves in, in the unlikely event that you know it goes tits up. But um, we there's the whole theological question or age-old question: Is the AK-47? better than uh, the M4 carbine and I guess we can go into that to that discussion because I know CJ uh, we're we're talking and, and you're you're kind of debating on what you want to acquire and I, I did a little research myself but I know you got some you got some stats and facts for us as well you got some opening remarks uh real quick thanks for joining me IG live is about to shut off I appreciate you guys we're gonna try to keep doing this um every week peace and that there and then i'll send you her information uh my homegirl but um what was i gonna say yeah so i'm in the market for buying some rifles now um i'm trying to get my armory up and i'm debating i asked cam he just recently uh, added to his armory and i was thinking about what i wanted to get and I was like, oh, I'm kind of torn. I do want something a little more heavy to balance out. I want something for every tactical situation because that's how we think. Absolutely. Got to be so very versatile like, and diverse. Exactly. So I was like, mm, I kind of want an AK. 
but I'm very familiar with the AR-15 or M4 as we affectionately call it. So I'm like, and uh, so I, I was torn. familiar with the M4 as well, and that's why I went to I went along that route. But the AK-47 has some benefits as well. Yeah. But you said you were torn between the two? Yeah, because I'm like, hmm. I know AKs are known for not heavily being reliable. For not being reliable? No, no, I meant accurate. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. okay, Because I heard they don't jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're heavily reliable, easy to use, Mm -hmm. can handle any conditions, all that good stuff. Legendary. Um, and, uh, what what I, I want to emphasize their use of uh, their ease of use, but like that they don't jam. Now yeah, we've shot our, our our fair rounds of uh, five five six two M four carbines, and I had more uh, stoppages, more jams than I than I can count or remember, and that's what led me to. While I do admire the weapon, I see that as a drawback. And particularly in fighting in the desert and in places with sand and, and dirt, like where all that can get into your weapon and not malfunction, and cause a malfunction. The AK-47s, they bury them in sand. Popping your banana mat, ah, and yeah. then it's like uh, they still function with no stoppages. Have you ever had a, a stoppage with a with a chopper? No, you know what? Honestly, I've never shot one. Believe hey. it or not. Mm-hmm. I was was, when I was doing mine um, I wanted to get a chopper but like I said it came down to it more to um, what I know and and how to move with it and we can also break down the pros and cons to it but I I find it a practical weapon and I may get one as a uh, AK-67 is that the one the more compact one I believe they have AK pistols. Um, I've been doing a little bit of research on YouTube, like just mm-hmm. looking at gun enthusiasts, uh, sporting enthusiasts. They're kind of like varies. Everybody tends to like more from Eastern Europe style of AK, mm-hmm. but they do have shorter versions. But those tend to be American manufacturers, which is not of good quality. Okay. So, Cause I know they got um now the traditional AK forty seven it either has like the long wooden stock or the folding butt stock. But the one I'm referring to it's like it either has no stock or it's a a, a folding like submachine gun type of stock, but it's still seven six two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would consider that more like a have you ever seen a GSU? I believe it's in the M4 family, but it has a really short barrel. Yeah, I, I kind of know what you're talking about. Didn't Special Forces use those more often? Um, yeah. It's, really close, it's a close quarters. That's like something yeah, that yeah. you're just using that for indoors. It's like yeah. an EST SWAT type of guy. Yeah. It, it, okay. So, but I, I would say it's the equivalent to that of the, the AK-47. But the, the biggest drawback from the AK is it's um it's the recoil it's, heavier too it's it's, heavy. it's the, yeah you have, you have the weight but the, the recoil is like 
if you're using fully automatic, it's very difficult to get the uh, the bullets to have accurate uh, shot proof with, with that. Granted, even with 5.56, um, it's difficult to get accurate shots with fully automatic, and that's why we switched to three round burst, rather than you just pulling the magazine back and <laughs> it's like, a <laughs> little burst. You know, you can yeah. get more accurate shots. The AK doesn't have that. And also, it's it's heavy, and mm -hmm. uh, they like nine point five pounds empty with an empty magazine versus, oh, yeah, versus uh, I think for an M4 AR fifteen would be seven uh, seven and a half pounds with yeah, a full yeah. And then I'll do the effective ranges real quick. So okay. AK fully automatic would be three hundred meters. Um, 400 meters semi-automatic, and then of course, you know, AR-15 is 400 to 600 meters effective range. So let's let's give it down for point targets, so because with our M4s, there we are trained to engage targets. A point target meaning like a, a single individual, I mean one person, a window, what have you. That's that's a point target. And with M4 soldiers, our warfighters, airmen, what have you, they can engage targets at about 500 meters. Now an area target, that's a big target. That could be a group of people. It could be a, a, a vehicle or, or, or something around that nature. With M4, you can engage something like that around 600 meters or 600 yards for all you civilians unfamiliar with the metric system. Yeah. So for the military, the US military used to use the M14. Mm -hmm. And have you seen one of those? Was that uh, was that Springfield? Those rifles. Um... Not too sure manufacturer on the M14, but I know it's a beefy rifle and it fired. Uh, yeah. I want to say it's seen its premiere in World War Two. Yeah, something like that. Vietnam, but they're saying like the little guys couldn't. Uh, they couldn't handle. They couldn't. Ha they couldn't handle them because it's that recoil was just like. It, it really jumped, so that's what made them in, investigate into a smaller round and, and go with the the five five six. Yeah, it was. Uh, let me see. Introduced, standard issued in 1959. The M14. Before that was the M1 Grand. That's probably was what a one what. The M1 Grand. That was the. Okay predecessor to the M14. I stand corrected. That was the, the M14 was not in World War II. Nah, but, yeah, uh, you know what was in World War II? The Thompson gun was in World War II. The Tommy gun? Oh, uh, you're thinking of that. Okay, mobster. Yeah, they used the... Uh, <laughs> well, no, they used the... They had the long mags for it, and they also had the drums. Yeah, yeah. So, what's cool about the Tommy gun is they actually fire 45 calibers. They're not rifles. Bullets or the forty-five, so that has a lot of uh, that has a lot of recoil too. Yeah, I think they um still sell those too. Tommy oh, guns. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's actually a practical weapon. I've never fired one myself. I, I've seen it, and it's it's um pretty sexy, pretty sexy little uh little weapon. But what I ended up going with was the Ruger five-five-six. Okay. And, uh. It's very similar butt stocks and everything to an M4 optic sight, you know. Um, I, I think that's a that's a pretty decent uh, base weapon to start with. 
Now, like, yeah. what I like about the M4s, or rather uh, AR-15s, is they're so customizable. Yeah. If I put up some pictures on what I want to do with, with mine in the future, but there's so many things you, you can do with it. And they're light weapons, and, you know, there's, they're very versatile. I'm torn because I still want one because I'm familiar, but at the same time, if I get the AK, I don't really see a need for it when I can get what I was gonna get something more long range to cover that area. To cover now, what that. are you thinking about um, more? Because uh, long range, like yeah, that 7.62 has a distance, but the accuracy kind of sucks. And no, no, no. Thing- I, was, I was talking about it's another. Um, so for long distance, you would use like 30 out six, which is similar to the 7.62. Yeah. That's more for like rifles, like long distance. Or there's another one called a 6.5 Creedmoor, I think, round. And that's for long distance. It's smaller. I think it's mm-hmm. a little smaller, but it travels further more accurately. So yeah. I, I do believe I heard. Now you're talking about for a bolt action uh, rifle? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm familiar with that, and I've considered getting one of those. The only reason is right now is like I don't even know where I'm gonna train with it, like or, or yeah, exactly. Like you would really need a. I suppose you could do that in the indoor range, but yeah, I mean I could do that here, yeah. But that's so, kind of. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I, I think it's um like in, in the Air Force, you gotta shoot expert a couple of times to go to become a, a sharpshooter and then yes. after that you do great at sharpshooter so sharpshooter means you have an ACOG and I believe you can magnify it what eight times with an ACOG I don't remember because I wasn't excellent at shooting <laughs> you can magnify with an ACOG site and that's on top of M4 and then after you do well with that you get to uh, go to counter sniper school because Air Force can't have conventional snipers or at least last last I checked. But I only bring up the up to say is like, it takes time to, you know, to become an, an efficient shooter. And it's like, under Air Force standards, you're just there to dump out rounds and to qualify, not to practice. So I think like if I had time to practice, line up and, and zero in my scopes and everything, I, I could become a proficient shooter. Like, yeah. Well- yeah, I think same thing too, and that's another thing I want to get back to once all this post Rona um, is have that more regularly in my routine because marksmanship is a perishable skill as we all know. Yes, indeed. If you don't use it, you lose it. You lose it. Yep. So, but um, yeah, I probably lean on the AK first because I've just always wanted one too. Um, and then my next rifle, I'll see. Because, like I said, I want a small armory. Well, me. another reason I, I, I leaned with the um, with the AR-15 is, mm-hmm. you know, you see all the zombie movies, and it's like, you know, people share ammo. Like, mm-hmm. now that's compatible with, um, how do you say, with, with 5.56 and the, uh, the civilian two, counterpart, 223. Two, two, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's why I like this one. Now I know our your AK is is compatible with most likely is compatible with the NATO seven two and yeah. thirty out six. Yeah, but I was about to say the same. My understanding thing. is the ones that the Afghans have and the Chinese, like the real 
the OG AK, they can't use our rounds. They're like so a little smaller or something. I'm not sure because they got they do have different um calibers of seven point six two. Um but the one I'm getting I think is out of uh was it Serbia or something like that. But yeah. they import they come from America too. They import it and change it to where it's compatible here. So that's kind of the route I'm going. I'm not getting the OG AK, but I am getting kind of from the source, but it's compatible for American use, which will come in handy. No doubt. So, now, go ahead. Another reason, uh, I suppose, a drawback is um, if they, if uh, NATO did do an ammo change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there, there'd be some sort of incompatibility, which I think they're looking into now, is to um, one, they're they're losing money on shipping ammo because it's it's heavy. Yeah. And so they're actually looking into ones with like plastic shells, polymer shells, which is I'm pretty curious to see how that would work. But they said they'd save like thirty percent just off of the weight or something like that. But I could imagine. No, no. Um, yeah, I may look into the AK family though. Like, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Plus, I mean, knowing we, knowing what we know, knowing that the militia groups, you know, in the United States, all mm-hmm. these things, like, you probably want to have something high caliber because more than likely they're gonna have every round. Yes, I know. And then you gotta think they are private civilian contractors who have class three weapons so they have everything that the military can purchase minus the world grade plutonium and whatnot but like yeah they can um they're guys who are contractors who can purchase mark 19s automatic grenade launchers because their job requires it but you know in an unlikely event it all goes to hell like they're still gonna have that stuff and those will be organized so that is a little concern of mine um kind of somewhat related I suppose I'm listening to an audio book by Stephen King called The Stand mm-hmm. and oh, Lord, the stand? Ha- Lord have mercy have you read it or heard it man I've seen the movie oh my god did I read it I read it years ago Dude, it's 45 crazy. hours yeah, the audio book is 45 hours but I bring it up because it's about kind of like current events there's yeah. a virus that the military was working with it got out of hand like killed everyone and then my understanding is a lot of the events or at least where i'm at right now a lot of the events that we are have seen social distancing uh whispers of martial law and other things are occurring in, in this book and it's just like so uncanny and, and terrifyingly prophetic but um but great, great listen to but uh, it goes back to what we were saying as well. If you already got the playbook, you can tailor events to the playbook. You're absolutely right. And, um, you know, one of my, my, my buddies sent me the link with, uh, you know, the whole Dean Koontz novel where it mentions Wuhan, it mentions 2020, and more or less a killer virus. You know, it's, you're right. It almost seems like they have the playbook. But one yeah. more thing, uh, I don't want to say a drawback, but one more thing about the AK-47, it's like, um, you know, like, you can, the, the M4s, they come with a standard rail system, 
yeah. where you put your optics on, and then you can actually switch out the handguards for more. Like, while I have seen AKs with like rails and stuff like that, it's very aftermarket. Like, uh, I, I, I would dare say there's more custom build room for customizing with the M4 than with the AK. True. So that's another reason I went with that option. Yeah, it's a little more unique on how you have to customize with AK. The the customizations I did see, I did like. Um, like the stock and barrel, they use like more of a polymer, which will make it lighter. Interesting, um, the AK? Yeah, Picatinny reel on the front. So you have that, then they have stuff on the side. Sweet. So they have customization. It is a little more unique and a little more challenging than say an ar-15 but they do have it because they it it's a very popular platform let me pose this question for you okay like, keep in mind we always mentioned that one of the drawbacks for the ak is accuracy at like 400 meters if you had to clear a building or a room what would you want to clear with? like and and i even let you if you do choose the AK, you can, how do you say, change the butt stops and, and everything. But what would you rather clear a building with an AK or a um, or an M4? It's tough because I've never shot it. Mm. So I know what it feels like clearing. But my best estimate, I can only go off my experience. So my experience with M4 is just super easy. Collapse the stock. Boom, you're in and out. Yes, but you remember you stove top at close quarters, you gotta do a slap pull up sort of forward sift and then squeeze the trigger and then get back in the fight. Yeah, there's some people who can do that remedial action very fast, but if you're malfunctioning and the enemy weapon's not jamming, I don't know. Um, I mean, based on that, AK. I think this the something about you know, having a weapon that doesn't jam is is, is very comfortable. Like mm-hmm. having when I had the the three fifty seven revolver, I was like, yeah, I felt a little confident because it doesn't jam. But it it, it turned out being a, a shitty gun. And you actually with revolvers, you actually have to aim a little bit different for them to be. Yeah, with the um, with the AK as well, but. I think I would go with like what you said. I'd probably go with the M4. Just off of familiarity, but once I got comfortable with the AK, I'd probably go with the AK. Just knowing the stopping power and also knowing that it's a little more reliable, it would make sense to me. Yeah, reliability is key, but at the same time, that would be my alternate. Yeah, so- but I I'll let you know. I'm gonna shop around. Um, I'm not gonna hastily get it but I definitely want to get something I want. Um, I like the wooden look for the AK, but I want something, you know how we are. I like, I prefer tactical, tactical. black. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. I've seen a desert um, AR, yeah. a brown pan one, and I'm just like, it's sexy, but I like uh, I like all black too. Yeah, it's just, you know, what is it, uh, light discipline? Um, yeah. All that. Even uh, the ninjas used to paint their their blades black, yeah. just so, so they can move. Because uh, you know, tactical. You see metallic things. Anything that that shines off light, it's for a vigilant troop. They they're gonna see it. So yeah, you know, the the more uh, camouflage, the better. But I, I we have two other topics on our list. 
uh, you had the death of the U.S. Post Office. Yeah. And you also had the CIA's uh, safe houses. Okay. Um, did you want to? Did you want me to dive into the international stories real quick? I got two of them. Oh yeah, man, you kind of flew by them. Yeah, let's do nah, international. So shout out to Ireland, Dublin, new listeners on the audio podcast. You're officially upgraders now. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Um, so we do the first story with them. I'm using my phone for this because for some reason it didn't sync up on the um, thing. But something very fascinating with COVID is that uh, coronavirus Ireland, babies born in Ireland now can be registered online. Say so what? They can be registered online, like I guess their name and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, register online for the first time. It was announced. When was this? April eighteenth. Um, it's not like the birth movie, certificates, though, is it? Yeah, I think it was like the move was brought due to difficulties parents would face going to their nearest registration offices during the coronavirus crisis. It will come as a relief to those families who are worried about their newborns would not be properly recognized by the state during the COVID emergency. It also means child benefit can be paid on time with no delay. So I guess based on their um, social system, this is more efficient to do it this way. Well, it goes to show like what can't be done online now. I know, yo, that is crazy. So shout out to you, Dublin, for being progressive and futuristic here. Hey. Um, and the other one is Guernsey. I think I'm saying this right. Yeah, they uh, were on before too. I forgot what they're. They're by the UK, right? Some like it's. They're a very interesting group, but I wanted to see they had some interesting innovation going on during this time. They have. You're gonna laugh. Seaweed hand sanitizer now on sale oh, in Guernsey. And this is in Guernsey. Yes. That's our other audio listeners. Um, it's made with gin and seaweed. With gin? Then, like... like the alcohol gin, which okay. is my favorite. Um, Bomb Mr. Bombay over there. That's right. You know. <laughs> um, so they said it was tested, eventually given the go-ahead to manufacture and sales by the states of Guernsey. All profits made by the sanitizer will go to supporting St. John Ambulance. So okay. that's what, what's going on. I think that's very commendable. Shout out to you. I to see that recipe. For, yeah, uh, no, that's kind of interesting. Because I, um, I, I hear stories about breweries um, that were converted some of their plants into making hand sanitizer. But at the same time, if that's uh, something that I can do at home, I'll get some seaweed and... and or I suppose I can't use the dried seaweed chips and then just pour gin on it. Yeah. It's more complicated than that, but I, I applaud that. That's very creative. So and shout out to you, Guernsey upgraders and yeah. Ireland upgraders. Just so, international, baby. You know it. <laughs> international. Make up. So what we got on as far as uh, the post office? I know I, I wrote a rant in the Upgrade America handbook policy for the future okay amazon kindle yeah i'm still marketing but nah, like, i ranted on there about just the inefficiency and the antiquity 
of, of the post office, while I'm grateful for their service, it's, um, I do believe we live in an age where it can be upgraded. And if um, we can take that burden off our taxpayers, while I know they're a corporation and they do operate to generate revenue, I still do believe a portion of tax money goes towards financing those operations. If we, take, if we take a burden off of that and get better service, like Amazon's really setting the bar with the two-day with Prime, you know, two-day delivery. Like, uh, let's find a way to do that with mail. You know, if the well, private sector can do that, I'm all for yeah. it. So I'm going to go down to proposals first, solutions to the U.S. Postal Service, and then we'll talk about the financial part of it. Um, I'm going to try to make it quick because, you know, I don't want to bore people to death. But um, so in Saturday delivery, that would save $3.1 billion a year. Um, it would take three years, but basically overall, if they ended Saturday delivery of mail. Um, second one is refund billions in retirement overpayments. So they're saying the old pension system is outdated for um, the Postal Service, along with they are mainly unionized. So I know that's a big fight about it as well. We're gonna have to have a discussion on on that, but what does that mean? I I really don't understand what that means. Okay, so it says U.S. Postal Service pays into the Civil Service Retirement System, an old pension system for federal employees that was replaced by the Federal Employees Retirement System in 1987. Um, they're saying that the U.S. Postal Service is overpaid into the old system by 50 billion dollars due to. Well, outdated calculation method so um they wanted to re-examine that to make a new formula to give that money back so it's it's a lot deeper than people think and plus the u.s postal service is written into the constitution that's the hard part about dissolving it or getting rid of um the I mean, third option why not, why not marry like we discuss it all the time why not marry uh public and private like get some private sector keep the post office going but use some private sector efficiency and funding you know and find a way to do, to do it better i don't know that's that's the that's the proposals they were talking about and it goes into what you're just asking replace post offices with automated kiosks which i'm seeing a lot more of these in post offices mm -hmm. Um, let's see. It's tricky because you got to think of um, the disabled and the elderly. And a lot of post offices are in rural areas. Not everybody has access to that kind of technology. So, but having a person there to help walk people through their transactions for postal services is very handy. But I see the need for upgrading and making it more efficient uh, with the technology side, but they could replace post offices with cost-effective retail options such as automated kiosks or postal stations located in grocery stores and other places where people go every day. Okay. Um, so it kind of marries the private and accessibility factor that I was just talking about. And I, I want to mention Amazon again, but like having these little pickup 
places or you can get packages at like 7-Eleven, Whole Foods, things like that. That's yeah. mad convenient. Particularly, I suffered because I had no one at home to get my packages. Yeah. So I can't tell you how many times I would get the package. It would get sent back to wherever it was because I couldn't I couldn't intercept it. And it was sometimes it was maddening, man. And it's just like Amazon found a solution for that, and, uh, and I applaud them. And I think the private sector needs to take some notes from from them and and reflect that in, in logistics. Okay. So the other thing, other factor is change the rules for paying postal workers. So mm-hmm. this is where the union thing comes in. Postal workers enjoy collectively bargained wages, but the rules of the collective bargaining process could be changed. They said the letter carriers won't like this, but they suggested allowing federal mediators to take into account the financial health of the U.S. Post Office, deciding how much postal workers must be paid, potentially paying its employees less than UPS and FedEx. So, which is their direct competition, basically. That's they're saying to save the post office, they should pay their employees less? Yeah. <laughs> basically. I wouldn't recommend that. Is, uh, and you think yeah. efficiency will get better if we pay everyone less? <laughs> uh, not necessarily, but the other proposal, these are, um, let's see, let's post, let post offices do other things. I've heard this um, also brought up. Another common idea is to let post offices partner with state and local governments to do other things besides send and deliver mail. Like for instance, voter registration, which I think that's really good. Driver's license renewal, which you can kind of do online. So, um, which sounds more like convenient than the DMV. State and local governments would pay um, United States Postal Service to deliver these services. I'm trying to think what other things they could do besides that. I, I was hearing like yeah, like having them do more things. But um, hmm. I suppose something to brainstorm upon. Um, I'm trying to see. Okay, I'll read some other stuff on privatizing it real quick. I'll just shoot out some numbers. Um, U.S. Postal Service been losing money for. A decade, more than a decade, $110 billion in unfunded retirement costs and more liabilities accruing each year. So U.S. Postal Service is a big enterprise, 600,000 employees, 71 billion in annual revenue, but the revenues supposed to cover its costs, but they have lost 69 billion since 2007. So basically, they're saying the two corporates of why everything's been jacked up is the volume of first-class mail. The most profitable product has plunged 45% since uh, 2001. So you're saying people are sending less first-class mail? Mm Mm-hmm. And they said while the company has expanded into package delivery, it faces heavy competition with UPS, FedEx, and Amazon. Um... Trump said, basically, the U.S. Postal Service business model is horrible. It got to be changed. And don't want to bail it out with taxpayer-funded bailout. Don't want to do that. What happens? Huh? What happens, then? 
Um, let's Last see. Day after the post office. Sir. Say again. Who picks up the slack the day after the post office fails? Okay, I'm looking now. Um, oh, and plus they're saying they don't pay taxes. So as a government entity, doesn't pay any taxes. Interesting. Uh, post Because it's like, a, what do they call it? It's, it's a, a government um, corporation. Yeah, government. It's, it's, it's another term for it. Um, I forgot. Interesting. They can raise revenue like... They can run it like a business and they can raise revenue to keep it the operations going but they don't pay taxes on it yeah. that makes sense it says... also you just <laughs> fucked that military members got taxed yeah like i had an argument but... with a lady at the child hall about that she's like oh i pay your salary i was like i pay my salary too what are you talking about like i pay taxes too <laughs> Yeah. Yo, that was the most pointless argument. Um, okay, so the answer is privatization. Open up the postal market would come with that. Europe has already been doing this. Yeah, uh-huh. DHL is like everywhere, man. Yeah, I remember that in Germany. Um, they privatized their mail. So basically, what we've been talking about is reducing labor costs, adopting new technologies, cutting delivery delivery frequency, using cluster boxes for delivery, and closing post offices. All the steps that the post office needs to do. US- the structure is there. I just think it should be acquired. Like, whoever moves in, they take over a neighborhood, you know, for delivering. Like, they can just acquire that... Uh, that equipment and uh and facilities so don't let it go away yeah so it's, it is it is antiquated and there's always room or a lot of room for improvement and then you mentioned like there are billions of dollars of waste you know mm-hmm. management but yeah it's um i don't want to say put them on the same category with the schools and colleges but let them fail it's rough um and this is an interesting one, real quick. 62% of advertising mail volume is declining because everything's online. Hmm. Along with transaction mail, 19% in mail volume is declining as well. Like, so billing statements, all this kind of stuff, people are not doing it. Everything's online. Yeah, I do it to save um, the planet, save the trees. But also, I don't want like, to let true. come into uh, my box. You know? So, yeah. Postal, you know, shout out to y'all. I know that's tough news to hear, but whew, it's coming. Um, I'm very certain that a lot of the, the employees can be absorbed back into the private sector. That yeah. is going to translate. So it's a, if anything, they would be prime candidates for it. It's a matter of the pensions and uh, and maybe you're more senior manager. You're, or no. Senior management will probably transition over to it. Could be the middle management that gets uh, yeah. uh, struggling with, with that. But um, it's been it's it's been it's bound to happen. It was bound to happen. Yeah. Um. What else we got left? Let's talk about them CIA uh, safe houses or no black sites. Black sites. So tell, tell us what is a CIA black site? All right. So, they got a few of them. I don't know how accurate this um, information is. 
So I'll go ahead and put that out there because if it's a black site, you're not gonna really know. All right, black sites are basically locations. They usually abandon uh, prisons. Um, oh wow! Prisons that are no longer of use to that host nation's uh, population or whatever. These places have prisoners or whatever held captive without being charged of any crime and not not allowed to do any form of legal defense. And it probably gets trickier because you're in different countries, so they go about different rules. Mm. Um, they use enhanced interrogation tactics, aka torture, however you want to put it. Thin line between uh, interrogation and torture. So the methods are waterboarding, very controversial. Uh, sleep deprivation, humiliation, physical beatings, electric shocks, and worse. I saw they would play like music 18 hours out of the day, blasting it. Uh, had prisoners wearing diapers. Um, had them dehydrated, sleep deprived, so they can try to get information out of them. Um, they have all kind of different methods. That's what basically I was reading. That's not including what I didn't find. It gets you cracked. So I'm going to go down this 10 I, I, I got a question. You think they could get you to crack? Um, this means of uh, meaning the using the the, the listed means of torture mm -hmm. or interrogation. You think it'll work on you? The waterboarding, the sleep deprivation, or the I'm kind of used to not getting sleep, but that waterboarding probably is a bad one for me. But why I'm saying that's more psychological than. You know, it, it's just, you really don't drown. It's just simulated drowning. Mm -hmm. Now, but I, I, I'm not too sure about that. I think uh, now the electric shock, I'm not too particularly thrilled about. <laughs> but I imagine there's, uh, there's countless ways to extract information. I heard of field interrogation, you mm -hmm. know, um, and like more or less guys would hold people down and with a lit cigarette and uh -huh. uh, hold it as close as they can to their eyes so the heat is like mm -hmm. right in your eyes and people tend to talk I mean they say that's supposed to be used in like life or death situations yo where's the bomb like tell us yeah. that and they do things of, of that nature to try to extract information is it in accordance with the Geneva Conventions now that's different that's a different question. We're talking about clandestine stuff. Um, couple of other facts, real quick. Oh uh, yes, yeah, so I suppose it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't uh, apply. So what I looked up when I was looking up black sites and all this, the area that kind of does all this in the CIA is called Special Activity Center, SAC for okay. short. They do covert ops and paramil paramilitary ops. But what I discovered, interestingly enough, mm -hmm. this is split into two sections of what they do. Special Ops Group, Tactical Group. It's sad, group. right? Huh? It's sad, Special Activities Division. Yes. Okay. But they, they also had this one thing split up. What I found interesting was the Political Action Group. That oh, like raised a Psychological warfare or this is a... 
No, basically going to overthrow governments. That's they have a department just for that. I'm not basically. surprised. Yeah, so when I saw that, I was like, well, damn, y'all just put it out here like that. Like, no, so we're not crazy. Um, <laughs> so that part, I don't know. It just ready, it just confirmed what I already knew, but it was just still to see it is like, well, damn, really? Not for nothing. I, I, I do believe they deserve their own episode, and we should break down the various components of the Central Intelligence Agency and maybe use it as a recruiting tool for our friends over there in Langley. Well, yeah, what's up, Langley? Um, so I'm gonna go down these black sites real quick. Okay. I was stationed at one of them, bro. That that it was like the first one I saw on the list. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Well, so well. Diego Garcia. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's actually perfect. The Brits use it. We use it. Australian Special Forces use it. The Navy uses it. Geographically, where do you think it is? It is in the middle of nowhere. So it's in the Indian Ocean, uh, south of India, and it's like east of Tanzania. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm totally and They got rid of all the native people in the 1960s and 70s. Um, it's <laughs> known great. as Camp Thunder Cove. It has 4,000 military personnel and independent contractors. Mm-hmm. But I was hearing that it had ghost prisons out there. I was like, what? And I was stationed out there. What is it? In 03. That's an abandoned, uh, like you're saying, an abandoned prison? Yeah. Or... Mm-hmm. And these are so, where they keep, like, uh, high-profile individuals? or Yeah, high-asset high targets or now, these, are, these are run by Americans or by those third country nationals? I would think in conjunction with I don't I don't see us doing something on somebody's country without at least having some kind of liaison or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like I asked because um, we we mentioned about waterboarding. It's very gray whether or not that's considered torture because I, th- I thought waterboarding is was permitted. Mm-hmm. You know, by uh, by American forces. Like mm-hmm. I could be wrong. But what, what I was saying is like all the, all the other stuff, like the other category is uh, typically my understanding is that other countries do that for us. So it's kind of mm. like, oh, I'm tired okay. too. Where did my prisoner go? Oh, <laughs> we brought him back to you. We found out everything. But they yeah. be using uh, some tactics that, are, are, uh, that we don't agree with. That's why I was asking is like, this is America, American oversight or is like, like I said, I'm not sure. I'm assuming they got to work with host nation to get away with this kind of stuff. I could see points where we would isolate if it's, say, mission sensitive, where they don't really need to know what we trying to get out of these people. But I'm assuming at least to operate the place, they're going to have they have to have somebody from the host nation there. Um, they got an interrogation center in Morocco, Tamara interrogation center in Morocco. Uh, Romania, Mikhail, something I'm butchering that name. Airport in Romania, um, Dracula's Castle is in Romania, yeah. Pennsylvania, they got they got Thailand, detention, Thailand, Thailand. um, Camp Liminier in Djibouti. Did you go to Djibouti? It's Africa, right. 
Mm-hmm. The Horn mm-hmm. of Africa. I'm saying you said what? The Horn of Africa? Yeah, I think that's what they call it, where it's located. But yeah, I remember a lot of people going to Djibouti. So uh Lithuania, they have one there. Uh they have a floating uh prison, USS what? Ashland. Where is that? No, nah, it's an actual ship. But it's called they, a boat. they hold the people on the ship. And it's called a floating prison. Interesting. I thought it was like a man-made island or something. Like that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's an island-class docking dock landing ship. I'm curious how big that thing is. Uh, it's pretty big. Twenty-six thousand people can be held on that ship. I guess prisoners. What capacity is now? I don't know now. That's rough. Um, you got a spot in Poland. We had that salt pit in Afghanistan, which I was stationed there in Kabul. Kabul. So maybe um, the CIA might be recruiting you. You pretty soon. Nah. <laughs> Damn, they call it CIA's sadistic dungeon. Holy shit! <laughs> wow. The people they um they were saying that some people sued of the torture. Um, people they had captured in 2002. It was a high profile case. And then you got Bosnia and I don't know how to say this. Herzegovina, Camp Eagle, and Bosnia. So they got a black site there. Interesting. So those are like ten hot spots with black sites. So what are your thoughts on this? You and I go back and forth about this. Some shit you do have to do off the books. Um, <laughs> so all other countries. Areas. Huh? There's room for gray areas. Yeah, all, and all countries do this if they have political prisoners or prisoners of war or value targets. So it's kind of, I hate to say it, but it's kind of fair game because everybody does it. That's uh, not a very great argument that everyone does it, so it's okay. But uh, see, it's see okay, necessity. but it's the world we live in. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I see the necessity, and then this is a reoccurring thing. It's just um, when you have things going on with lack of oversight, there's plenty of room for abuse. Absolutely. Uh, in a world where, where anyone can be deemed a, a, a terrorist or, or a radical or something along that, you, you gotta imagine that this would very well happen to, to you or someone or someone you know. So, yeah, uh, that's true. Very true. To know that these things exist, it's I get it, but at the same time, um, you gotta make sure these things are not being abused. These powers are not being abused. Yeah. But uh, at, at the same time, I do want to do an entire episode, or not an entire episode, but give them a headline, like, you know, the central intelligence. That's um, all I can, we can throw out all that conspiracy theories and, you know, some history and, and fun facts about the, the CIA. I think that would be cool. Um, How much time we got left? I know we should be wrapping up. We got like uh, an hour, 46 minutes, so we're good. We covered most everything. Um, yeah. Positive stories. 
Um, positive stories, man. Every day is a positive story. I woke up today and I took uh, some deep breaths. And I'm breathing, I'm breathing deep and I'm breathing clean, man. Life is great. As I mentioned, um, the COVID-19 thing, it's clearing up traffic and permitting an ease of passage uh, for me to make more trips uh, to visit my mom. Did an online funeral. We streamed it at her place. You know, my oh. uncle passed, R.I.P., Uncle Wayne. Yeah. And That's the one that was in the military, right? And we streamed his... Uh, we streamed his funeral, so she was uh, she was happy to, to be able to see to see that, and you know it was like Thanksgiving at my my place for a little bit under ten people. <laughs> so uh, you know we got together and, and hung out. It was, it was a really great time. So uh, that's that was a really uh, positive thing for me. What about you, man? What you got for me? Honestly, uh, I finished Ozark season three. season three you know um i keep saying i be thinking because it's social distancing and everything like i got more time but sometimes i feel like i don't have more time i don't know why but when i I get around to uh i did finish season two i think i started season three but i did like those it's a great show they got really really good writers and uh, yo ironically enough though I remember you had this conversation on how you've been looking at TV and films with the social distancing and all that. Mm-hmm. When I was watching something, I started thinking of that. And I was like, now I see what Cam is talking about. Because I was looking at him like, oh, this is what he was talking I don't know. It just clicked for some reason. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. I, I get it. I, I don't know. It's like when i was catching things on the screen it's like you see and in real life it, it almost seemed like a conflict but i'm i'm adjusting now you know, to, um, this is the new normal and tv is just a reflection of what <laughs> the past was you know yeah telling the grandchildren back in my day we used to <laughs> run outside and shake hands and give people hugs and you know, make out with wild girls in bars and stuff. Not no more. You gotta be masked up like a, a guy over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, so uh, is it a law in Mexico? Is it law in Mexico? Is it the law in Florida? Now that we're in mask? It's very county to county. I've seen some stuff where they'll turn you away if you don't have a mask, they're going in a store or something, but I haven't been turned away yet going to stores and whatnot uh we'll see I'm, i haven't been to walmart in ages so i'm gonna go today and see how that plays out i have this so if i gotta put something on i could just i'll be all right you gotta make a bet friendly wager if we'll open up by you think we're gonna open up by the end of um end of may this is my prediction and tell me where you're going with this okay. tell me if you agree or disagree I think they're going to have the country fully open before 4th of July. <laughs> That's my prediction. And then when will it close back up again? I don't know. I just have a feeling 4th of July, we're going to be at up and normal by that weekend or whenever it is. I don't know if it's on a weekend or not. Isn't That would be nice. 
I just don't see us. It is weird. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I just don't see us being quarantined on the Fourth of July. I don't see it happening. There's going to be gunshots and fireworks, <laughs> which is both in the south. So, um, yeah, I and which is Fourth of July is like one of the worst times for me. All that noise and shit. Yeah, like, yeah, is on max, but now it's like you got instability and. All I'm saying is if this stays the way it's staying, unemployment and, and the economy by 4th of July, yeah, you're going to hear gunshots and fireworks uh, around that time. Usually I stay in for 4th of July. I ain't, uh, yeah, me too. Not a big, uh, just go watch yeah. explosions in the sky. That look, It's like, <laughs> it's almost like the fireworks are mock, it's like a mock battle. Like you have the ones that go off like they ring like machine guns, and you have the ones that go off they sound like mortars. Then you have the ones that are just downright explosive. I don't know, baffling holiday, but you know, celebrate freedom. Yeah, it's tough, man. I used to love Fourth of July, not anymore, bro. Not since two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, that's all I got, man. Yo, man, that's all I got as well. Um, I think we covered a lot of a lot of different topics. I learned yeah. a lot, and I, I hope everyone else out there learned a lot too. If you got anything always. to about out of it, go give us a like, give us a share, and always uh, subscribe and tell your folks, man. But until the next episode, thank you for tuning in on Upgrade America, the greatest show on earth. Peace and peace, Facebook. Catch y'all later.